Um, and I was working in a business where I'd now then, although I was the best performing part of the business, I'd got to a point where I felt unappreciated uh, in, in my former business. And I woke up one night and I thought I was having a heart attack. Oh, no I way. Thought, well, and, I, and it's not something I recognised. And it was obviously at the time it ended up being a panic attack. I was ended up being in hospital. And my son was still two, so I had to go in the back of an ambulance. And um, my uncle Paul actually came to see me in the hospital at three in the morning. He said, well, what are you playing at? Blah, blah, blah. Very, very aware of was the sort of mental health of our staff, and because our biggest resource is our staff. I mean, you can. Spend, I mean, so many businesses spend money on their office refurbs and uh, on systems, and they don't put the resource into their staff. And without the staff, you're finished. Yeah. So, if you've got good staff, that is what you've got to have. And I've got really good, loyal people around me, so I put a lot of time into them, helping them to make sure they weren't suffering from any mental health. In times like this, I think you've got to be creative. You've got to find the opportunity. Uh, there are people that. Um, will shy away and blame COVID or blame Brexit or whatever. And But for, for us, there's always an opportunity. There's always a way you can manoeuvre, adapt. Uh, even if it wasn't down the auction, we would have found a different way to do property or something. We, we would have adapted. Yeah. We've got to find the opportunity, and that is what we were we were keen to do when, when all of this started. There was none of us we weren't looking at each other, shrugging and saying, oh, bloody hell, that's the end of our business after a year. We haven't been doing well, patting each other on the back. It was nothing like that. Hello and welcome to another episode of Inspire Pod with myself, Kurum Kang. We bring you the best interviews with leading business people and entrepreneurs in their field. Today, we're really excited. We're here in Birmingham with a leading entrepreneur who has under 13 years experience within the property industry. He's overseen almost £200 million worth of sales within the last two years alone. And he's won various business awards, such as Newcomer of the Year by Midlands in 2019 and won Entrepreneur of the Year Award in 2020 at the Signature Awards. Our guest today is none other than Gurpreet Bassi. Gurpreet, how are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Very good, very good. Um, I gave a very short intro there. Do you want to um, just elaborate on that? Anything you want to add for our no, guests? I think I think it was a good intro. Um, yeah, so there's 13 years approximately experience. So I, I joined um, a company called Bigwood at the age of 19, just as a basically uh, apprentice for want of a better phrase. That's yeah. what it was. It was called junior at the time. Worked my way up through there and um, started doing lettings, different types of property, learnt about different areas of the property industry, uh, worked my way up to director level there. Um, then after a few mergers and acquisitions, I decided that it was time for me to go out on my own, which we did uh, beginning of last year. I've been going for two years at Bond Wolf Auctions and so far so good. Wicked. No, great. And good to see that you've worked across the whole property industry as well. And yeah. uh, so, so a lot of variety there. And um, we, yeah, gave, gave a bit of background there, but could you also elaborate a bit about your role now with Bond Wolf and how that falls within Bond Wolf Auctions? Yeah, so my, I'm, I'm CEO of, of Bond Wolf Auctions and, and uh, co-founder. So we, we founded the business uh, January 2019. Um, although we'd worked, a lot of the team had worked in the auction industry for many for, for longer than I've been alive. <laughs> uh, a lot of the team have, so um, lots of experience. Uh, my job in the business is to just to run it day to day, lead uh, and win new contracts, win new business, and uh, help our younger staff to reach their potential. Great. And um, one thing we like to do in this show, as you know, our viewers probably know, is also talk a bit about the background. And I know when we first caught up and spoke a few weeks ago, you're actually speaking about how when you're at university, you actually left halfway because yeah. it wasn't for you. And you know, there's a lot of people out there who reach out to us saying, is it good to go uni or is it, shall we go do our own business or go straight into work? 
can you talk about your experience you know after school and how you know you, you didn't go down the traditional university route yeah I mean I, I tried to do the traditional route because I thought <laughs> that's what I was meant to do my parents would have want me, wanted me to and I thought that was just a done thing yeah um, and I'm not for one minute here saying to, to kids leave university because uh, it's not for everyone uh, for, for me at that point of my life, I, as I said, I went there because I thought it was a done thing to do. Um, I don't regret going there because I've met some of my best mates that are still close friends with me now and, and we've grown up together, so I don't regret going there. For, for me, when I was there, I'm quite a, an early bird. I used to get up at like six, half six in the morning. I wouldn't have a lecture till three o'clock. Yeah. And I could get myself into so much trouble between that time and that time. So by the time three o'clock came and the lecture was there, I'd, I'd probably lost my way throughout the day and decided to do something else. Uh, and, and not bothered to go but and for me I've, I've always been more of a practical learner so even when I was at school I wasn't particularly academic um, I, I learned more by doing things so whether it be working in my parents shop when I was a kid I, I preferred to sort of hands-on learning yeah. uh, and so I left university uh, I didn't get down too well with my, my parents <laughs> at the time and I hope they forgive me now uh, my only regret for them now is that I haven't got a photo of me with a cap and gown, which all, all parents want, so that's my only regret on, on that. But I, I then left and decided to, to get into work. Now, I joined uh, Bigwood as a, as a junior, as an apprentice, and literally at the bottom, on the shop floor, uh, and, and learnt my way there. But, wh- but when, I, when I got there, I, I, was, I felt like I, it was the right thing for me to do, to just sort of get my hands dirty and, and, learn, and learn that way. Yeah. I love that. Um, we, we can make a little title for this from uni dropout to CEO. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm Again, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not advocating not for everyone. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but you, you mentioned you started from the bottom with Bigwood. Yeah. Um, love that. Like, what was your vision and plan whilst you were doing that? Like, did you have this bigger goal of growing into a bigger company or was it just getting on with it day by day? Yeah, so when I, when I started, I, 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 it was more learning the, the industry. Uh, and I joined in sort of 2007, 2008, and it's pure by, more by luck than design. 2008 is when the property market and the world around us crashed for a bit with the credit crunch and stuff like that. So that the lads that I went to university with that went, went the distance, got their degree, and then they were coming to see me for a job. And <laughs> I felt guilty because I think, oh, they put all the hard yards in. And, but it's just, and as I said, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't like I planned it for that to happen. It's pure by, by chance. And... So when I, when I got there, it was I was thankful for, for having a job because I saw so many people around me that, that didn't. And I just thought this is a great opportunity. I wasn't prepared to let it slip, but it wasn't always plain sailing. Yeah. So at the start, um, as I said, I was working on the shop floor and it was starting at the bottom. Uh, I remember one of my first or second week there, this chairman at the time had uh, a few guests down from London and uh, I was the most junior member of staff, so I was sent out to go and get the sandwiches. <laughs> and... Uh, I didn't know. I mean, I must have been told, but I forgot throughout the day that he, this guy doesn't like onions on his sandwich. You know, I just went and got the sandwich and there was onions on the sandwich. So I went back and I just remember there was just pure chaos in the office. Like, this guy can't eat onions. I don't know if it's an allergy or something. I can't remember. But I remember getting in my car then and I remember driving home thinking, I've got no chance here. I can't even really get a sandwich order right. But then o- over time, I just sort of developed a knack. And I think I always had a sort of, th- through family, I always had like a, a passion for property, so I knew it's it's the sort of route I was going to go down. Um, so I started learning different bits, whether it be lettings, property management, and I really felt comfortable in uh, the property auctions and agency, like yeah. doing deals, meeting different clients, doing different properties. Uh, and at that point, it's, I sort of got fixed on I was going to push myself as far as I could 
down that route and go and get myself the biggest network possible, go meet the best people possible, learn as much as I could about that bit of the industry, and that is what I've, uh, what I've done. Brilliant. That's quality. And um, from, from, you know, growing up the ladder, you know, starting from getting sandwiches <laughs> yeah. right up to now, you know, overseeing a company that's doing almost 200 million sales in two years. Um, like how do you prepare yourself to get into that CEO role? Uh, and like, how does that feel? I've never really reflected on, on, on getting it. It's just sort of, I remember when I became a director of, of Bigwood and everyone was saying to me at the time, it's quite young, you know, I was 26, I was the youngest director they've ever had. And I, I never really thought about my age or how quickly I'd done it. Yeah. I actually thought that, that they'd maybe direct her too late. Honestly, because I thought, uh, when I was 24, 25, I thought, oh, I'm earning the most fees, I'm, I've got the biggest network, I'm, I'm running my part of the business. I just thought, and when you're a young man in a hurry, you just think everything is just taking too long. It's only now I recognise, looking back, thinking that 26 was, was young to, to have achieved that. Uh, in terms of getting myself ready for, for the CEO role, I think I kind of, because of the way the auction business was born, the new business, I kind of had to just overnight become that role. Uh, because when we moved on and we set up, there's a lot of people that joined me um, from various different places and a lot of people I'd worked with before. And some of them had left really, really steady jobs and they sort of believed in my vision and took a risk. And so I kind of, I didn't really stop to think, well, what does it mean for me to be a CEO? I just knew I had to, I had to succeed and failure wasn't an option because there were so many people relying on me yeah. to make it work. Yeah. I like, you know, so as the audience probably know, my background's in recruitment, right? Got, you know, run a recruitment company and we're always working with clients and there's something about CEOs who get people drawn to them to want to work for them. Yeah. And you touched upon it there. Like, how, how do you do that? And like, how do you go around building that team and building confidence in, in those around you? That, without really speaking of them and putting words in their mouth, <laughs> I'm sure I hope they would say, I think a lot of them appreciate the fact that I did start from the bottom in the business. And that, so even the most junior member of staff now, I would never ask them to do a task that I haven't done or know myself. So they know and they respect that I've, I've done it the, the sort of hard way. We're learning from the bottom to the top. Um, and there was an element of trust because I've worked with a lot of them for a long time and they know that my word's my bond and I will, if somebody's loyal to me and they give me their all, I will make sure that I give them everything back. And we've had a great two years and there are plans for us to grow uh, and do other things with other businesses in the future. And all the people that stood side by side with me when we did this, they'll all share in that in the future. And I'll make sure I look after everybody that we, was there for me at the start. That's great. Uh, and again, you know, you didn't speak about skills or anything. It was just pure culture, trust, loyalty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of that, that our business is, is built on, on, on that sort of loyalty and culture. And we've got a brilliant team. Uh, and there are some certain non-negotiables in our team, which are without, they're not spoken about, but stuff like you know, hard work, loyalty, um, punctuality, be on time, and leave egos at the door. So our staff, there's no egos there. It doesn't matter how senior you are, how junior you are. Everybody's a team, uh, and there's a real, real sort of togetherness in our group, and it works and it shows in our results. I think. And um, you know, there's, there's obviously a lot of great success. You know, we can speak about a lot of the work that you did to maneuver your business around COVID uh, later on. But before we go into that, can you talk to us about uh, the risks, the challenges, the sacrifices that it really takes in leading a business, and what you you know probably gone through yourself? Yeah, yeah, there are there are a lot of a lot of sacrifices, uh, particularly when you are starting a business and you know the, the work my work life balance hasn't been brilliant. Um, 
the last couple of years and I'm very, very fortunate. So I've got a really understanding wife and son and to be honest, having them has been one of the major reasons I've been able to do what I've got, I can do. So they've sort of, you know, before that I was a young lad trying to just duck and dive and do certain things, but getting married and having a son, it gives you a purpose and it gave me a goal and I wanted to achieve for them as well as me. Uh, and they have been so understanding in the fact that like, dad's at work and, and it's not all, you know, everyone sees the results and people say, oh, it's easy, doing really well, but they don't see like the four or five o'clock starts and they don't see the two, three o'clock finishes at night uh, in, the, in the morning and, and they've been quite regular the past two years, particularly as you, as you touched on before with, with COVID. I mean, we've started a new business in the last two years. We've had to deal with Brexit. We've had to deal with an election. And then when we thought we got over that, we come back in the new year, start the year well, and we get a global pandemic to deal with as well. <laughs> so you just think, and the way the, the, the business has, has performed in that is because of the sacrifice, not just myself, as, as the, the team as well. And a lot of them do, do make sacrifices for, for, the, for the greater good. And like when you're going through the sacrifices, you mentioned you know, obviously your family are a big part of that and your goal and bigger, bigger vision. But like, did, could you talk, give a better example of you know what you're actually doing during that sacrifice? Because people probably don't actually understand. Like you said, you know, it's like the iceberg analogy. It looks yeah. good on top, but it's sacrifice, work ethic, everything below that. Like, could you give examples on what what you've had to do to get your business to where it is? So yeah, so I left my previous employer. Um, October 2018 I left and we launched the new business January 2019 so there's a few months in yeah. between there that we set up a company got bank accounts we didn't have an office didn't have any furniture so we had to get all of that didn't have staff didn't have any systems didn't have stationery there's nothing at all we just a blank canvas it was myself there's a group of people that trusted in me and I didn't sleep very well between October <laughs> and January because I was thinking, oh, I've got to get this right. Yeah. So there's lots of there was lots of meeting builders. There's lots of which you don't see. There was lots of branding and things. To, lots and lots of little different things that you know you, people just see the end result. But there's lots of little things in between. So there's meeting employment lawyers, doing contracts out stuff that I I probably myself didn't appreciate at the time when I left. I just thought I've left. I've got an idea. I've got a way, I've got a network, I've got a group of people around me, and I've got a way in which I think I can deliver this business. So there's that, but then there's everything that goes with that, which is, again, doing the contracts, offices. I mean, our office downstairs, we've done a good job in it now, but it's a complete blank canvas. When we went there, uh, even in, I think, the second week of December, oh, there was wow. nothing in there. And Brian and mine, we, we launched on the 7th of January, and there was, at times, we were a bit nervous, but I remember saying to our team, we're going to have our first auction in March 2019. And they were like, are you sure we don't want to do this in May? I was like, no, no, we need to, we need to. Because if I, how our business works, because I'd, I'd been sort of the face of the old business in October 18. If I was out of the game for longer than that period, people do forget and they want to, because tra property traders and clients still want to sell and buy. Yeah. And if I'm away for six, seven, eight months, they'll find other people to deal with. Okay. So I had to make sure that I was back in in the game as it were as quick as possible so that's why I had to put those extra hours in and, and so did the staff um, but at, at the moment such what it's paid off and hopefully it continues to do that's great and um, you know just going on there you know like with strategy and you know hiccups coming up mm. um, you, you did pivot and many of your business during COVID which a lot of businesses a lot of people have had to do uh, could you talk to us about that and, and what you did and what the end results have been so far? Yeah, a lot of businesses, as you say, have had to sort of adapt. But I would say none as much as probably ours had because our business was 
And the end goal of our business is to have uh, a room full of people buying property. That's how an auction works. And with COVID, that's impossible. So if you'd have told me last year, you can't have people in a room, uh, you can't send catalogues out because the posts are funny about who you sent, I, I probably wouldn't have tried to do this auction business. If, if this would have happened, if we'd have been launching our business in January 2020 and this all happened, then there's a good chance we wouldn't have gone through with it because you know, it's never been done. But because we'd had the year behind us and we had a bit of momentum, a bit of track record, we sort of stepped back and, and during that lockdown period. And where a lot of people took time off work, we then worked really hard in that period to sort of remodel exactly how we do our, our business. So everything's gone remote. There's a camera, there's an auctioneer. We're still able to win business and win contracts and get properties in the auction. Um, on the day of the auction, it's completely different. There's a, there's a, you've got the auctioneer on the screen so people can log in and bid at home. Uh, and it's something that I, I'd never really appreciated how, how far we could take that. I mean, our last auction, we had 33,000 33, people watch the auction. Oh, wow. Which is incredible. And we're never going to get that in a room anyway. Yeah. So we've adapted well. Um, I do think, I do hope we can go back to the room one day. Um, I don't know when that will be. Uh, it looks like maybe summer next year. That's what they're saying at the earliest. And Although we've performed well, and, we, and our year out of the room has been better than our year in the room in terms of results and fees and stuff like that, but I would still go back to the room yeah. um, because I, I miss the buzz. And, and our auction, it wasn't just an auction, people buying and selling property. It became an event. It was like uh, networking going on. You could see, feel, smell it. There was business happening in the room, and it was nobody can replicate that. Anybody can have a guy and a camera selling property. And some of the smaller auctioneers you can't fill a room will continue that way and they should and it's better for them but for us because we can fill the room and because of the event that we that we produce we will get back to the room but also it'll be a hybrid so there will be still be people that can bid and i think more and more people now instead of if you know you can you can go to an auction we can have 100 200 lots and you could be coming to bid on 100 lot 190 and get to the auction at nine o'clock you could be there for six or seven hours before your lot comes up there's no need for that you can log in from the office or from home from, from wherever you are uh, and bid but there are some still some people that would still go to the room and I guarantee if we had if I had an auction tomorrow in the room I still have a thousand people in there no matter <laughs> in the middle of COVID there, there are still that sort of hardcore property dealers investors there, and people that just enjoy going and they have that feel yeah well while you speak and they reminded me um, of the first episode we did so we spoke with um, Parish Dabtra he's um, co-founder of yeah. Rushle FX mm-hmm. and he said all that a recession means is that you have to work a bit harder is that, that that's literally just the difference? Yeah, um, there's nothing you can change or do. No, I, can't, I completely, I completely agree. I think in in times like this, I think you've got to be creative. You've got to find the opportunity. Uh, there are people that um, will shy away and blame COVID or blame Brexit or whatever. And but for, for us, there's always an opportunity. There's always a way you can manoeuvre, adapt. Uh, even if it wasn't down the auction, we would have found a different way to do property or something. We we would have adapted. You've got to find the opportunity, and that is what we were we were keen to do when, when all of this started. There was none of us weren't looking at each other, shrugging and saying, "Oh bloody hell, that's the end of our business after a year." We haven't been doing well, patting each other on the back. It was nothing like that. Obviously, had to step back and have a look at the bigger picture and seeing what was going on out there and how we could adapt our business to tailor to, to the the new world uh, in the interim period. And that's what that's exactly what we did. And, and when you're coming up with like new ideas and new plans to to move forward, where, where does that come from? Like, is it advisors people around you looking at you know what are the people in the market you know how, how do you get creative and move forward with it yeah and I think there are, there are you, you look at the best people in the market and you learn from from them and also uh, if you did a similar interview with my uncle Paul mm-hmm. he 
is a really good advisor and he's there for me whenever I, I need one of the best people you can learn from yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and uh sometimes his ideas are a bit out there <laughs> and I don't always go with them and sometimes he doesn't like our ideas but we do then and he, he's open to hearing my my feedback and thoughts and and from the very beginning, he was there for advice, and during, especially during this period, it was it was important to have him as well because he has been through proper recessions, as he calls it, in the nineties. So he, he knows what what that's like. I mean, none of us knew what this pandemic was going to be like because nobody can see into the future. But because he's dealt with ups and downs in the market before, he was able to sort of give me some really really good advice on on how to handle staff and during the period during that period because that is what one thing I. I I was very, very aware of was the sort of mental health of our staff, and because our biggest resource is our staff. Yeah. I mean, you can spend. I mean, so many businesses spend money on their office refurbs and uh, on systems, and they don't put the resource into their staff. And without the staff, you're finished. Yeah. So if you've got good staff, that is what you've got to have. And I've got really good loyal people around me, so I put a lot of time into them, helping them to make sure they weren't suffering from any mental health issues. Um, we've also employed a, a professional coach for all of our team, uh, and he comes in every other month and sits down as one-to-ones with our team uh, and I never know what they talk about they could never talk about business they yeah. could just talk about their personal life but that's fine if that's what they talk about to get them as long as they're there and they're letting things getting things off their chest they're speaking and ultimately it will improve our business and it'll be good for my business in the future that's great um you know so much more awareness about people in businesses these days um, and good to see you know major companies like yourselves adapting to that as well and um you know you've obviously come off very you know far away in just a few uh, years of bondable fortunes where do you see yourselves being the next five ten years yeah so on, on that i get that a lot people say it's it's it's, it's far quickly yeah. to me it doesn't feel like that it feels like it feels like it's been a a, a, a long a long time we've been going i mean i've been working in the industry for, as you said at the start 13 years so although now people are seeing us at the front and, and we've, with all these great results it has been a, a the hard graft and it's been a lot of years have gone into it um in the next uh, sort of five years i there are obviously growth plans with for our business we are looking to sort of hold standalone commercial auctions um at the moment it's only being done in london where they do residential properties and commercial properties everywhere else there seems to be a, they seem to mix their catalogs up okay. so i want to get us to where we're a major commercial property player and that's what we're working on there's a few ideas being bounced about in the background that we're working on uh, there's a business that we're excited about, which we'll be launching in January, which I'll share the details with you later. It's, it's completely, it's, it's, out, it's out of property. It's nothing to do with property, um, although it will complement the property side of things. So it's, it's more down to all the media route and things like that. But we're, it's something that we're really, really passionate about. And we think it could be it could be good for that media business, but also the knock-on effect for the property business that we've, that we've got, auctions and agency. I think it could be really, really big for that. Um and I think at the moment, although my the bit of the business I'm looking after is, is mainly the auction part, there is definitely definitely plans to move to do new regions with it. We've looked at Leeds, Bristol and other areas where we sort of branch out, although we do at the moment from our national pub in the middle of the country, we are able to sell throughout the country. Um, we are looking to, to have more of a presence in these areas and, and also different parts of property as well so there's property agency there's management there's our own portfolio that we're working on so there's lots of things we are going to plug in and in the next 10 years i would want bond wolf brand to be one of the most recognizable and strongest property brands in the uk that's my that is my goal and i believe it's achievable and um that 
there's so much there to take in that you're going to yeah. be doing and already starting on. Mm. Um, for anybody again watching this and saying, "I want to grow my business," or "I want to go, you know, take it to the next step," or even start, uh, where should they begin? And um, you know, how should they know how to grow or what to grow towards? Yeah, I think it's, it's important if you're going to start a business. I think it's important to to know your industry, know your business, and be something you're passionate about. Now, whether that you want to be a florist, own a shop, it's something you've got to. You've got to be very, very passionate about. It's got to be an industry you know about. Um, I'd urge people then to go and, and speak to people that have already succeeded in that industry. Don't don't be too, don't be too proud to do that. I mean, I'm, I've, I've spoken to people that have done well in industry, and I'm, I'm happy to pick the phone up to them even now. Uh, but I do know some people don't want to. They think see it as a weakness, and it's really not. Yeah. It's, it's it's actually quite brave to do. Um, I, I'd urge people to go in and read about industry, their industry they're interested in. Uh, get good people around you. Quite often, people fall into a trap where they just get their mates around them, or they they find the cheapest lawyer to represent <laughs> them, and it's not—it's just not the way to go. You know, I'm not saying go and find the go to London and get the most expensive person. Go and find the right people for you, uh, and get some loyal staff around you. Um, and then, yeah, I think that gives you the best possible head start then to be able to go and pursue a, a new business. And, and you know, you're speaking about people there. Again, that, that's something that we see very consistently. Everybody always says it's about the people you're surrounding yourselves with. H- how do you choose those people? How do you find them or, you know, make sure you're developing those relationships with them? Yeah, it's, it, it is it is tough. I mean, I've, I've hired people in the past and, and they've, they've not fitted and it's not always their fault. And maybe I, we didn't research properly when we were taking people on. But when in the business we've got now, that the, the core of the people I've known for a long time and I've worked with for a long time, um, as I mentioned to you, the, the unspoken non-negotiables that I always look for in a, in a person. I, I, I do, when I meet or interview someone, I do look for certain things, um, p- passion and hard work. I mean, that's the, that is the key thing. I mean, I haven't got a degree or anything like that. And when I'm meeting people, I'm meeting people all the time that are probably more qualified than I am, have probably got more knowledge than I have, but the fact is that they're not going to outwork me. They're, yeah. they're, that's, that's, a, that's a fact. And that's something I can control. So um, I know that if... Um, I'm up against somebody or going for a pitch or going for a, to win a contract I know that I will leave everything in the room so I will do everything I can and, and uh, most of the time since we've been here I mean we haven't lost a tender or oh. and we've been up for a contract we've not lost one um, and that is because of our the, the hard work and the team that we've got behind us and when you're coming up against your competition um, apart from the hard work which is obviously probably the most yeah. important thing uh, what is it that differentiates yourselves uh, against the other players in the market, you know, I think, and I think it is the people, and um, it's it's strange. I mean, because a lot of the competition, uh, because we are sort of the new kids on the block, and a lot of them have known me or my family for a long time. They're they're quite negative towards us at times, and it's at the start, um, I was always wanting to stand up for ourselves and fight back. But then I think when I was doing that a lot at the start, I thought, well, that's if I'm doing it for five minutes of my day, arguing back or. or sort of defending myself that's five minutes of the day I'm not concentrating on my business and then that they're winning then so I thought they're irrelevant to me let's just concentrate on our business and quite often I've been in for, for pitches uh, and I've been to see people for contracts and they've said all the competition did was talk about you uh-huh. and why we shouldn't use you rather than I said well I'm not here for that and that's their well, that's their downfall don't talk about me don't talk about other businesses just concentrate on your business and uh, and I've heard all sorts, you know, because our results have been really, have been really, really good this year. And I've, I've I heard something the other day. I went to uh, win a contract for a care home, to, and we, we won the contract. And uh, the client I was with said, um, the, 
previous competitor that was in there. She spoke about you the whole time. They said, they said, uh, and I, I, she said she questioned the results and our results were better than theirs. And they said, oh, well, his results aren't real. Said. And I said, <laughs> look, well, that does that t- all that tells you is our results are that good that even the competition think they're unbelievable. You spoke a lot about what you do do really well, like outworking competition, focusing on yourself, um, having a good team around you. What do you advise companies, businesses or entrepreneurs to avoid uh, when they're starting up or when they're growing? It's difficult because, I mean, we've, we've, we've been going two years now and, I'm, and it's, it's something that I preach but I'm not particularly good at. I, I think people should, um, when they're achieving some success or when they've had a good, from my point of view, when you've had a good auction is to sort of celebrate with your team and I'm not good at that. I'm not good at being in the moment and I need to get better at that. I've been told I need to get better than that and I am working, uh, trying to get better than that. But how I see myself, I see myself as the driver of the business. Now, if I'm driving, I've got to look through the windscreen. If I'm looking through the windscreen, I'm going to crash. That's how I see it. So I, I, but sometimes, don't get me wrong, I should pull over and then enjoy the view sometimes. But I think some people, then on the other side, I do see some people that have had a successful one minute and they think that they're, they're God, they're buying some of the most expensive clothes, watches, really fast Holidays cars. Holidays in yeah, Dubai. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and, and it's, it's an easy thing to get into, sort of, into that sort of mindset. Whereas... For me, I'm just concentrating always on the on the next thing, and that, I think that is that is important is to set yourself some goals every year. And we, we, I, all of my team do it. I do it. I set myself goals, and I try to hit. And each year, whether it's personal goals, which I haven't hit that well recently because I haven't been that present at home, which I will fix next year. Um, but there are, I, I would urge people then to just sort of set themselves some company and some personal goals each year, uh, and give yourselves a target to hit. How do you like manage that, you know, the, the difference between saying, okay, I just need to focus purely on my business and it's hard to stop and celebrate um, as opposed to somebody who would just do, you know, one deal and they'd go, you know, get, get a new car on lease or something. How, how do you, you know, find, find a common goal between those two? Yeah, I, I think a lot of it's, it's how, how you are as a person. I think the way I've been brought, brought up, I think I've been brought up a, with a lot of hard workers around me, like my... My grandparents and my, my granddad came to this country with, with, with next to nothing. I mean, he lied about his age to get a job. <laughs> uh, my grandmother, from my dad's side, was, was running shops, taught herself to speak English, and she, I mean, she was running shops in the middle of Southwood during the riots, race riots. And then yeah. from my mum's side, I read about that in Paul's book. Yeah, and then from my mum's side, my my, my grandmother from her, my mum's side had to work two or three jobs because my mum's dad died in a, in a work accident. And, she didn't get any support, so I saw I saw the sort of work ethic, and none of them ever rested on their laurels. And I, I thought, and I recognised that from an early age. Uh, and then with my parents, my dad working in shops, my mum when I was a kid working in old people's homes and nurseries during the day, uh, and and none of them were ever sort of content. And I and I, and I appreciate and recognise that they were working for us. And so I think that's in me now. So I wouldn't just when I've done a deal or when I've had an auction, I don't just think yeah we've we've arrived now. That's just not in my nature. Uh, I'm always looking at the next thing, how I can grow. And as I said to you before, because I've got so many people that stood next to me and were sort of went into battle with me at the start, I've all of those guys are relying on me to keep this keep keep this going. And for the growth of the business, that is what I will carry on doing. Love that. That's great. And um, the the next part we're going to go into. So we ask our audience, you know, questions whether it's on LinkedIn or Instagram. Uh, we, we don't say your name. Uh, we want to leave that for the, for the actual episode, but we'll give them a bit of a background. I think you might have seen a few yeah. uh, on Instagram stories yeah, of, yeah. you know, giving a background to, you know, one of uh, Midlands leading 
uh, CEOs within the property industry. Um, so I'm going to head into those questions now. The first one is from Natasha G on Instagram. Uh, she asks, where do you think the property market is heading in the next five years? And what impact has COVID had on the commercial real estate market? It, the, the, the one thing that is certain is the uncertainty. Um, <laughs> we, we just don't know. Um, what I've seen this year is um, that people are still passionate about buying property. Um, I think there's still, I think there will be for the next five years, people still trust the property market. I mean, you're brought up as a young as a youngster to, to buy a house, aren't you? Everyone thinks buying a property is safe. Uh, and I think particularly now, I think people would prefer that than sticking your money in a bank on a, with a modest interest return. And people, the stock market is so volatile all the time. I think with property, although prices can fluctuate, it's never going to be like a, a stock market. And at the end of the day, if the prices go up and down, if you bought a property, you still own that property in five years, you'll have to pay any mortgage, etc. So I, I think that there's, particularly in the regions, and Birmingham, uh, being at the top of that with, with HS2, with um, the Commonwealth Games and everything. I, I do think that Birmingham's at the forefront and I think the Birmingham property market looks strong, particularly for the next couple of years. And I think we'll, uh, it will remain that way. It's great to hear. Next one is from Sharon Cole via LinkedIn. What's your top three pieces of advice when starting out a business? You've probably given a lot there during yeah, the yeah, interview. We, we, t- we, touched on it, we touched on it earlier. I think it's, 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 it's know your industry, learn your industry. Don't just, you know, because you, it's the flavour of the month, just jump on it because it won't work. You need to go and learn your industry. Um, do whatever it takes to learn it, whether it be go and see people um, who have done it before. Look, I mean, everything's so accessible now. It's on YouTube. You can go and view things and yeah. learn about things. Of course. Yeah, exactly. You can, you can see interviews with all these really, really good people. Go and do that. Um, get yourself some really, really good people around you. Um, that's really really important and that's probably the key thing is to get the the right the right people around you um yeah and also just just keep on just, just keep setting yourself targets um because i think a lot of people go into things sort of and they limp into it rather than sprinting through the door they want to like they, they want they like the idea of owning a business they like the idea of doing it but they don't want to sort of really push themselves and i think you've got to put I mean, I'm not naturally uh, the most outgoing person. I don't go out mixing and talk to a lot of people. I've got my, my close mates and my close family, and that's fine. But you've got to put your head above the parapet when it's your business. You've got to sort of be there to be shot at, and that's just that's what you've got to do. Um, next one is uh, from Alexander Seanfield, also on LinkedIn. Do you have any tips for improving your mindset? I think a lot of people, um, it's, 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 you're born with a, a certain way and you can change and things. And I think you need to just sort of focus. You have to, and I think goals help me. But I think we spoke about this off camera earlier. I think when uh, the, the our generation now, everything is just an instant generation. So people want to, you know, I was speaking to a mate of mine the other day and he bought some trainers online and he was, he was genuinely annoyed that it was going to take two days to arrive. <laughs> and I think, I want next day. And then like people so. are, Impact of yeah, Amazon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you, you can buy meals instantly, you go on a date, by swipe left or right. You know, everything's just so instant. And I think people are so impatient now and they're not prepared to, to, to sort of put the hard work in. So that's something you've got to you've got to be prepared. And in some terms of your mindset, I think it's it's down to you, isn't it? You've got to you've got to set yourself a goal. You've got to recognise that you want to do the hard work. Because uh, a lot of people want the the nice car, the nice house that a, a success will bring you, but they don't want to do the work to be able to get there. And, and because there is a lot of things on YouTube and LinkedIn and sorry, Instagram where people are sort of perceived as being rich quick and famous quick, I think 
there's a, there's a, a lot of people that are trying to go down that route. I mean, even at my son's school, I mean, and, and he's still very young, he's only six, but the mindset for children is, you know, they go to sports day, the kid that gets comes last, gets the same prize as the kids that come first, and, and it's, not, it's not preparing them for the real world, and I get why you do it at the age of six, yeah. you know, because you want to build confidence and stuff like that, but as and when they get old, you've got to sort of, you've got to bring that element into it because that's why we have got a generation now of there's lots of, of issues of mental health, anxiety, stress levels and stuff like that. And it's a real issue. Yeah. Um, and, and I've experienced it slightly m- myself um, when I was at my, my previous uh, job. And it was something that I was never, probably never recognised mental health. Um, and I was working in a business where I'd now then, although I was the best performing part of the business, I'd got to a point where I felt unappreciated uh, in, in my former business and I woke up one night and I thought I was having a heart attack. Oh, no I way. Thought, well, and, I, and it's not something I recognised and it was obviously at the time it ended up being a panic attack. I was ended up being in hospital and my son was still two so I had to go in the back of an ambulance and um, my uncle Paul actually came to see me in the hospital at three in the morning and he said, well, what, are you, what are you playing at? Blah, 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 blah. And, uh, <laughs> we had a good chat, had a chat with the doctor and at that point is when I decided for me it was time for me to get out of that business and then go out and do something on my own which is what we ended up doing oh wow so have you gone through that yourself in your last company and that is that why you're so head focused on supporting your staff yeah yeah yeah, absolutely because i I, and i've I've seen it i've been there i've I've seen i've had managers and and people above me who have wanted to take credit for for my work and i've seen what that does to your confidence what it does to you as a person so i'm very very keen to support and give the right sort of praise and, and and rewards to our staff there's a lot of our staff came with me on day one who've got equity in the equity in the business and they deserve it um so they treat it like it's their own business we pay staff well we bonus them well we praise them and i said we've got the uh, the coaching that we do with them so I, that's very much from my my own experiences where i've seen um where i've not felt appreciated or i've felt that no matter what i do there was other people that were getting credit for it uh, and and shortly after that sort of episode i call it that i had I then made my mind up that I was going to go out on my own. It wasn't necessarily going to be auctions. It was going to be in property. Um, but auctions is something that I was good at. So that's why I thought I'd go down that route. But in my final then, so that happened, and then there was about 18 months left. I still did 18 months at my previous employer. But from that moment on, my life just changed. Because from that point, I said to myself, I'm going to run this business like I run my own. It's like a dress rehearsal yeah. without the risk. without If something went wrong, nothing would really happen to me. So that 18-month period, I treat it like my business, and it was the best 18 months that business is my old business ever had in terms of sales. It's a record sales, record fee income. So that then gave me the confidence that I'm running this business like it's my own. Now let's go and do it on my own because I've, I've tried it whilst working and had the insecurity of a job, um, and it worked well at the time. So I thought if I can do it, then go out on my own and go give it a go. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad um, you picked that question up because um, I d- didn't know that. And- you know, again, it just touches upon so many issues uh, which so many of the people are going through, but it's, and it's just not spoken yeah. about. It's not, and it's not something that I, probably a lot of my staff who do watch just won't know about it. A lot of people don't, not my family wouldn't know about it. Um, it was something that I wasn't that open about um, before. Um, but my uncle was there and um, the, the doctor was there and they're speaking to me about well, what's going on in your life. And I was saying, well, I've got a wife, I've got a two-year-old son at the time and I, I love him. And, and then they started talking about different things and then, the doctor actually said to me, "I think it's your, I think it's your job," and I thought, "Well, no, I don't get stressed. I don't feel stressed, you know. Don't be silly." Uh, but then when I went back and reflected and recognised that she was com- she was completely right, and 
my wife was brilliant with me at the time. So, I mean, I had a good job at my old place. I was a director, as you know. Um, and my wife, I remember her saying to me, look, leave. I, I don't care if you if you earn less money. And obviously that was going to have a material impact on her life and my son's life. But she she was willing for me to leave and do whatever to, to, to get my head right. And she was a great support when I then set up the business. And there was, there was a point where we weren't earning any money at the start. Yeah, and uh, she was very supportive of that and she, she, she recognised that there was uh, potential and she knew, she believed in me and she knew that once I got my head into what I wanted to do I would d- definitely achieve what I wanted I love how you turn that negative into a massive positive yeah and I think that's important because there are a lot of people that are suffering w- with mental health and it's not the end of the world I think there's so much help and support out there now and you can see from other people that have suffered or, or, or had issues themselves or have been in jobs that have not enjoyed it there's, there is there is there's always more to life. That you don't need to just get yourself into such a rut. Um, I urge people then to go and do something about it. Um, and, and I know it's not it's easier said than done at times. Uh, but and if, and I've always said, if anybody was ever with our staff or anybody in the wider community, if anybody had any issues, wanted to speak to me, I'm always I'm always open. I'm happy to speak, especially younger people, uh, because we've always gone down the route of employing younger staff. Uh, and bringing them in and sort of a lot of them emulate my journey and a lot of the people before me did as well start from a, the bottom learn the business and there's a career path that a lot of our staff started as either juniors or receptionists and now sort of director level and things like this and there is a real path so I'm, I'm happy to speak to people that Brilliant. are in, in difficult positions promoting working for Bond Wolf very well here yeah get a lot of applicants <laughs> yeah. I think Suki's gonna give you a CV <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I know we're doing audience questions. Uh, Chris and Suki both watching this. Would, do you have any questions or anything you want to ask? Yeah, it's really insightful. Anything you're thinking of, Suki? Yeah, I think I think there are there are times and and. A lot of the times I sort of bit my tongue and I'd be in board meetings and, you know, so sometimes you're in a board meeting, you've got some people that don't say anything and you've got some people that are sort of the loudest people in the boardroom. They say the most without actually saying anything yeah. and they're gesturing and they're just talking in sort of cliches and throwing their arms about and they actually don't know what they're talking about. And they're the guys that are taking the credit. So I've been there and I've been the sort of person in the middle and I, I think you've got to stand up for yourself. You've got to speak up. You've got to go and see whoever your manager is or whoever your leader is and take some advice. And you've got to... What I did is I went and said, these are my numbers and I'm not being recognised for these numbers and sort of taken aback, you know. You should be okay. But I said, I'm not because I know I can do more. I can go out and, and, and go and do this on my own. And I don't think they believed I would at the time. Um, I have. <laughs> You're wrong. Yeah. Good question. I hope, hope you weren't hinting at me. Um, but no I love that Um, so yeah we'll bring it now to the final five questions Uh, you can answer between a word and a sentence first one uh, what impact do you want to leave on the world I don't want it I don't want anyone to talk about me ever (laughs) I think I know I think um, I mean I I, 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 I'm sort of in the background I don't like being spoken about everywhere but to be honest I'd like to leave I'd like to be known as somebody who worked hard, um, looked after people of law to them. Um, I want to leave uh, a, a legacy in a way for my son and my, my wife's pregnant again and we've got another child on the way. So right. that, that for me, is the, that's the most important thing for, for me. Uh, and as I said to you before, as in terms of the Bomb Wolf brand, I want the Bomb Wolf brand to be one of the recognised and most successful property brands in the UK within the next 10 years. And that is something that I'm passionate about and I'm certain I'll, I'll get there. 
Um, so that's the sort of thing I, I, I want to leave behind. No doubt. Um, what is your why? It's interesting this is. I mean, I've asked, been asked this a few times. I mean, the, the, and when, when we set up, I sat down with our group and I said, we're going to set up a business. Why are we doing it? Why are we doing it? We, we threw around ideas. And what the business why we came up with is we want to be the property business that uh, sellers choose to sell with, buyers want to buy from, and employees are proud to work for. I think that is the business why. My, my own why is I want to build a, a business that is the most successful and um, most recognised in the UK. Uh, and my, my main why is, is my, my children and my, and my wife. This is, that, they're, they're my driver. I think your why has got to be what you're passionate about and what is, what is your driver. Yeah. They're my driver. They're, 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 the thing, they're the people that I want to I sort of work for. And, and a tactic I used to use early on when I was in board meetings was, because you'd have the people that were gesturing all the time, the other people that were quiet. And I would always get my point across. And the tactic... And at the times I was some, maybe sometimes hesitant to get my points across in a meeting when I was younger. But the tactic I used when my son was born and, and my friend who's a coach told me this tactic is to just act like your son's in the boardroom. So oh, when, you, when, you, when, you think you're, when you think your son's watching you, then you soon you, you want to step up and it, it, oh, you will get your points across then. So that, they are my, they're, my, they're my why, really. That's actually a good tactic. Yeah, <laughs> it's, honestly, it had worked for me because it, the amount, cause to, to your kids, you're a superior no matter what you do. You, you, you're just dad and you're superior. So that I've, used, I've used that tactic. I mean, I don't use it less now to become more comfortable in the surroundings and stuff, but when I was 27, 28 in a, in a, in a board meeting, it can be daunting with all these guys that are 40s and 50s. And, um, and so I use that tactic. Um, but I think it's important when you're a young guy not to be overawed. And I, I fell into that trap as a young guy. But when you get to know, without being horrible... When you get to know these people, they're not actually that impressive. You know, you build these people up in your mind, and I'm not saying it to be negative about them. You just build them to sort of like untouchable, like they've done to have achieved all this. But when you're you're holding your own with them, you think, hold on a second, I'm okay here. I'm I'm comfortable in this in this surroundings, and and that's what I got to in the end. Probably slightly different, but there's a saying: um, never meet your idols. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, next question: um, Who is your biggest role model, and why? See, it's difficult, um, a, a single role model. As I spoke to you about my, my, my grandparents from both sides, I just sort of, for them to come to this country and to achieve what they achieved um, outweighs anything I can ever achieve, um, honestly, because they couldn't speak the language and they had a lot of the sort of racism and things like that. that and although we touched on it earlier and it still exists in our, in our industry, in our, in our world now, they had it really bad then. So I think a lot of what they have achieved, and my parents for, for everything they've done, hard work but I think from a business point of view my, my uncle Paul has been massive um, he's always there for, for advice uh, I don't always take it <laughs> which sometimes frustrates him but uh, I think he likes the fact that I push back and we sort of and we've got a really strong relationship um, and he is always there to, to, to give me advice and it, uh, it used to be him, having him there used to sometimes frustrate me to a point which I've never really told him this but used because I used to think I have to work harder because everyone thinks I'm just his nephew so I thought I have to work harder because I don't want people to be known as that. I want to be known as me. Uh, but in, in the end, I embraced the fact that I was his nephew because it can open certain doors. And although there are going to get people that are going to throw stuff at you, I embraced it and now we've got a, a really strong relationship and what he's achieved is, is incredible. Uh, and so, there's no, as you say, there's no better person to, to learn from, particularly in property, than, than him. Oh, yeah. Great role model. Um, what is your one skill which you believe has helped you most so far? As I said before to you, I'm not. I've not got degrees and things like that. My biggest thing is my, my work ethic, and and that I, I genuinely believe that. I mean, I, I won't let somebody. I won't be in a, any sort of 
position and let someone outwork me, whether that's with my mates in the gym. If I if they're pushing something, I'll make sure I go. Even if the next time I'm aching, yeah. I'll make sure I can just push it or lift a little bit more because I just want to. I want to leave everything. I don't. If I, if this business or if I hadn't succeeded, I'd never wanted to sit there and think, well, I could have done this differently or I should have done this. I'm in a position now where I can't. I did exactly what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it, and I left everything in the, in the room and I, I, I gave it my all. So if it didn't work, I couldn't sort of, I couldn't have that nagging doubt that I should have done this differently. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm sort of, that is, the, that is the main thing for me is my, my work ethic. Great. And uh, what does success mean to you? Success for me, I mean, I spoke to some friends of mine uh, and it's good for me to have friends that aren't in the property industry because they don't care whether I've sold £200 million worth of property in the last two years. All they care about is whether it's my round or not. Yeah. Or they want to talk about football less. They talk about football less now because I'm a Liverpool fan. And obviously, with, uh, <laughs> with us doing okay, they, they talk about football less with me. But um, in terms of what is success, for success for me is, is, is family. So when I, when I see my, my friends, and a lot of them are, are, are doing really well in their own industries as well, and I'm so, so proud of them. But the thing that fills me most with pride is when I see them with their beautiful wives and kids and I've seen what they've achieved. And that, for me, is what success is, is to, is to, do th- is to give my wife and my kids and my parents and everybody around me the, the, the lives that they, I think they deserve. Um, and if that is then pushing this auction business further or doing other bits of the business, that's all part of it. Yeah. But for me, the real success is, is my health uh, and sort of the, the goodwill of, of the people around me and, and if my family and friends and everyone are doing well. Healthy and successful. Well, a great note to end on. And um, for anybody that wants to follow you, uh, you know, whether, I know you're active on LinkedIn or other social media forms, or follow Bond Wolf and uh, auctions. Yeah. Where can they go? Yeah, so I mean, you can go onto our website, which is bondwolfauctions.com. I'm not brilliant on social media. I will get better, <laughs> as I said to you, that the new business we're going to go down there is going to be pushing that. So, yeah, I mean, you can follow all of us on on all those sort of normal platforms: Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and everything like that. Great. Perfect. Well, um, incredible having you Cheers. on. Really, really excited, uh, you know, before the show, and um, it was great meeting you. And for everybody at home, um, like, share, comment, subscribe, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you. Cheers.